0: The Country Sport Breakfast with Brian Kelly on Gold. It's business time. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. On a Wednesday morning, it's business time. We chew the fat with Phil O'Reilly, ONZM, Managing Director of Iron Duke Partners. Hope you're well, Phil.
1: Go, going great, BK. In, in Wellington today, it's not a great day here, but I'm off to Queenstown this afternoon. So you know, not a bad, not a bad life.
0: No, not really. Actually, beautiful Queenstown. OK, are better touch on uh, three things this week. Firstly, a survey by, survey by Global companion site Finder found that 51% of parents were supporting their kids over 18 in some way, with the main support being buying groceries. What does that tell us about young people in New Zealand who might be getting educated or seeking work?
1: Yeah, that sounds, it sounds like an interesting st- statistic, isn't it? When I was a kid, my parents... Bought me food and gave me free board, and lodging. I was about twenty-two, as a matter of fact. Different times back then, but yeah. this is this matters to business. This kind of information. The reason the reason it does is that if you're a young kid and you're trying to get an education and you've got parents who can afford to keep you at home, buy your food, maybe help you in your first mortgage, whatever, then you're going well. You're going great. Yeah. yeah. But if your parents aren't able to do that, if they're poor, if they don't have the wherewithal to support you more likely you won't get that skills training you'll actually just go straight to work because you can't afford to take the break to get the skills training can't afford to go to university or polytech or whatever it might be so that the danger of of that kind of statistic uh, if it's true is that the rich get the rich get richer kids and the poor get poorer kids and nobody wants that and and it goes to what we've all been talking about a long time now about the importance of the 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 availability of skill systems to kids you know so apprenticeships, for example, well they're a great way to, to get uh, to get skills if you, if you don't have much money because you get paid on the job while you're training. What a great idea. So it's important that uh, as we think about statistics like that, that we say, well, what does this mean to make sure that everybody in New Zealand can get some skills because employers are crying out for them oh, uh, and yeah. it's about government supporting employers and those young kids, uh, no matter how rich or poor their parents might be, to get some skills because that way we'll become more productive as an economy and get better pay and all the rest of the things we all want.
0: And there are so so many jobs out there at the moment, aren't there?
1: Yeah, they really are. But but of course, if you're unskilled, uh, if you have no skills at all. If you've got poor literacy and numeracy and digital skills, mm. the labour market will still feel pretty close to you, as a matter of fact. Whereas if you want to go get uh, a builder's apprenticeship, if you want to go be a plumber apprentice, well, tons of jobs for you. Just you know, walk onto a site and get, get a job. So that's the difference. So we need to make sure that you know the, the 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 wealthier parents and their capacity to support you doesn't become a barrier to you getting yeah. skills. So you know we need to make sure our skill systems are open to all, and uh, that's a lot of that's uh, you know spoken. Governments, to, successive governments, have said that's important, but actually they don't do much about it. So this is not just yet another wake-up call. As I was reading that yesterday, I was thinking, gee, it's yet another rich get richer and poor get poorer problem. There, yeah, very good point.
0: The government's introduced their new fair pay agreement legislation to Parliament. What does this mean for
1: business? There's nothing good happening here for the business community, I can assure you. Fair pay agreements are just another way of saying national awards. And you and I, and some of the listeners, no doubt, will be old enough to remember the last time they were around. In fact, I used to bargain on behalf of the employers for those national awards. They were dreadful. They say if you're a cleaner in Invercargill working for a little company that is struggling along or you're a cleaner working for a big Auckland firm, uh, you get paid the same 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 terms of conditions same pay and so on now who's going to win out of that well the big companies of course who can afford to pay it uh, and the small companies the little guys the strugglers and the people who disrupt the big guys they'll be they'll be absolutely you know destroyed by this kind of stuff and it'll mean also that those workers who are wanting to get a job, who are maybe a, a bit at the margins, like the, the young kids we we're just talking about? Well, they won't get a job because the, the, the price you have to pay to hire them will be just the same as if you're hiring a you know a much more skilled person in a big city. So these these national awards went away in 1991 for a reason. It's because they were destroying our economic productivity. They were destroying our labour market flexibility. And New Zealand needs those things because we're a tiny little country needing to make our way in the world. So I I, I'm, I used to run business New Zealand, so it doesn't surprise yeah, me that yeah. business New Zealand's totally opposed to this. They've even said they're not going to act as the employer bargaining agent, whereas they, their predecessor, the Employers Federation, used to do that. So they're really speaking to the, the employers to say, if we're supposed to be bargaining, isn't this supposed to be voluntary? Aren't we supposed to be agreeing to bargain? Isn't that what the story is all about? And the employers are saying, well, we don't agree to bargain. We, we don't like this. We think this is fundamentally wrong and bad for our economy. But the government just keeps pushing it through anyway, which means, which, which tells me they're not all that interested in bargaining. They just want to enforce terms and conditions on employers so a lot of water to go under the bridge i think the employers and the nats have done exactly the right thing to loudly disagree with this thing it's one of the worst pieces of legislation that's come to our parliament in the last 20 years i really hope it fails why are they introducing it
0: what's the re- what's the reason the story behind it
1: well because because they agree to with the unions of course so this is a This was an idea first put forward to the Labour Party conference many years ago by uh, my old friend Helen Kelly. God bless her soul, she's now dead. But Mm. she came up with this idea and she wanted to return to the 1970s award systems that that, that her father, Pat Kelly, used to bargain and I used to bargain with Pat back in the day. And this is a fundamentally different labour market to the one that we've all become used to in New Zealand. And and, uh, this this has been a long-standing Labour Party ideological belief that they want to do this. And there's no evidence that it works. There's no evidence that it'll help anybody. In fact the advice of their own government officials said it's not going to work and you shouldn't do it. But nevertheless, they push on because yeah. some sort of grand bargain has been struck with the the unions and, and those, who, uh, those who are members of the, of the uh, Labour Party voting machine.
0: Uh, finally, Phil, after 100 years of debate, Transmission Gully Expressway is now open to traffic. No doubt you've taken your BMW down there. How big a deal oh, yeah. is that for How big a deal is I hope you didn't get a shattered windscreen. How big is it for New Zealand? <laughs>
1: oh, mate, well, I, actually, the first time I drove it, I thought we'd we finished on a good piece of news. I mean, this is absolutely a great piece of news for New Zealand, Transmission Gully. Uh, it's been, as I said, it's been planned for, been talked about for 100 years, and finally we built it, and I drove it for the first time in fact, in a rental car, uh, so I didn't care much about the stone chips. Um, <laughs> sorry, Avis, uh, but uh, I was coming down from Auckland uh, that that, that uh, time last week when there's so much fog in Wellington. I, I was caught in Auckland, so I thought, well, bugger it, I'll just get in a rental car and drive it. And, and it absolutely transforms your trip, that last uh, hour or so of the trip that so used to be around the goat track of Kapiti Island and the Kapiti yeah, Coast is now yeah. on this magnificent, inspirational highway. It really is a a great way of, of entering Wellington shows you the landscape, it shows you just the, the the majesty of the hills north of Wellington. So it's good in that sense, and of course I drove it again uh, over the weekend just to sort of drive it both north and south. But what it's about, It's yes, it's helpful for Wellingtonians like me who are going to have a much easier drive back into the capital, but it matters to New Zealand all this. What's at the end of, of, of Transmission Gully? Well, it's the Cook Strait Ferry, Wellington Airport, uh, really key national pieces of infrastructure that everybody needs to work well and now they're much more easily accessible uh, and much more productive as a result of that kind of investment. And and uh, so this is a story that matters yes for the lower half of the North Island and for Wellingtonians that's good. But like every piece of big national infrastructure, it matters to the rest of New Zealand too. So the whole of New Zealand should celebrate the fact that this is uh, this has been built and it's operating. And um, I hope the Prime Minister who um, who turned up to cut the ribbon the other day. I hope I hope she was encouraged by the fact that Wellingtonians and everybody else is so happy with this uh, and I hope it encourages it to actually start a road because in the five years that this, this government's been in power, they have started not one single new mm. dual carriageway road. Not one. They've, they've completed some that was started by Stephen Joyce and the Nats, but they haven't started one. And so I hope that uh, she's she's reading the mood of Wellington uh, and those in the lower half of the North Island because all of my mates and everybody I know are saying it's fantastic. It's such a great addition uh, to our livability and our productivity. I hope they'll be encouraged to actually drop the ideology, the anti-car, anti-road ideology, and start building some roads. I don't hold out much hope, PK, but yeah, you know, <laughs> no. we can we can try. We can we can see if it works.
0: Novus and Smith and Smith will be benefiting quite nicely though from, uh, from yeah, yeah. the expressway at the moment, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it's, it's not. Uh, it wasn't too bad as I drove it. The, the stones. It's the kind of on the new roads of course, new stones. But I mean, in reality, I, I would have got my my windscreen chipped. Uh, any number of times on that trip south uh, through the desert road and through the lower yeah. half of North Island, lots, lots of road work. So I think it's it's overstated. The point is anybody who drives it will tell you it's a massive difference and it's a gorgeous piece of road and it's, it's very safe and uh, it's majestic and it showcases our country and our engineering skills beautifully and it's it's an incredible tribute, I think, to the builders and to um, and to those who said it was.
0: Phil, great to chat, mate. Enjoy your trip to Queenstown and we'll talk again next week.
1: Thanks, B.K.